Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. The Brooks is open in Overton Park, home to Memphis art collection since 1916. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art holds the largest collection of world art in the region, with more than 10,000 works spanning 5,000 years of art and cultures. Remember, every Wednesday is free and open until 8 p.m. They are a proud sponsor of WYXR. For more information about the museum and their exhibitions, visit brooksmuseum.org. You belong at the Brooks. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM at Crosstown. I'm Emily Trenum. I'm the Memphis Metropolis host. And in this show, we are talking about the Ernest C. Withers Historical House Museum, which was just added to the National Trust, the National Register of Historic Places. And my guests are Kelsey Lampkin, who's a historic preservationist, and Rome Withers, who's the son of Ernest Withers, who is in charge of the House Museum. So welcome, Kelsey. Welcome, Rome. Welcome back. Thank you. So, um, so Rome, let's start with you. Um, I mean, I, I think probably everyone's listening to the show knows, um, you know, who your dad, Ernest Withers, is and, uh, you know, how he's, you know, one of the most important photographers to come out of Memphis and one of the most important photographers to document the civil rights era. But people might not know, um, you know, what the Withers house is. So, so, so where is the Withers House, and um, where is it located, and how did your family happen to, you know, move into it back in the day? How long have you lived there? Just tell us about the house. Okay, well, uh, welcome everybody to the listening world. <laughs> uh, the house, we moved this house in 1953 uh, in the Walker Homes community. That's the official name of the neighborhood neighborhood uh, is the Walker Homes, actually named after J.E. Walker, who was a philanthropist and the owner of the Universal Life Insurance and Tri-State Defender, uh, I mean, excuse me, Tri-State Bank. Uh, he was the, the so they, they built this neighborhood uh, for World War II veterans, and we were one of the first families to move out here in 1953. It's uh, Foy Brooks Road, which is a runs uh, east and west of Memphis in the southwest area part of Memphis, near Fuller Park, three miles from T.O. Fuller Park. Uh, and um, extension westward is, uh, is south of this, this location. So why is the house important? Obviously, your family lived there, you grew up there, but why is the house important to your dad's career? Well, because I would say that most of his major important images that he he took um, during his career was probably he left his house. Um, uh, prior to us moving in his house, of course, there were some other events that occurred, but, uh, but I guess once the most well-known is the is we were standing in this house when the Emmett Till story broke uh, uh, in 1955. Uh, we were in this house when the uh, uh, story not so well known at the Isidore Banks out of Arkansas, who was 
uh, hung as well in um, Marion, Arkansas. Uh, we was at in this home in the Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, uh, nine and Central, uh, the desegregation of Central High School, other of the nine uh, students who were trying to integrate that school um, to a tent city as well. Those are civil rights, I guess, iconic uh, photos that, that he left this home for the Westbrook's Road to go take pictures and cover, you know, those particular events. Of course, not just to even mention the Negro baseball was kind of at its really middle part or the last of his heyday. You know, when he was taking pictures of Josh Gibson and Satchel Page and, and Ernie Banks and, uh, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, he left here taking the pictures of those those kind of famous people in notable in events. So Kelsey, how did you, you're a historic preservationist and you actually prepared the National Register listing. Well, first of all, what's the, let's tell people what the National Register of Historic Places is. I think most people have heard about it, but can you give us just the elevator speech about what, what the National Register is? Absolutely. So it's a database of uh, historically significant resources throughout the country. Each state uh, typically has their own that can vary a little from the national criteria, but and you can be significant or a property or historic resource can be significant for criterion A, which would be an association with a significant event in American history, criterion B, a significant person or figure in American history, C is architecture, and D is archaeological significance, which I don't really do. Um, And the Ernest Withers home is obviously was listed for its association with Ernest Withers. So the, um, and things may get on the National Register because someone actually prepares a nomination, right? It doesn't just happen automatically. Someone has to prepare a nomination. Yes, and it's it's kind of funny. Uh, the level of documentation has changed over time. So whenever you look and maybe you're doing research and you look at a nomination from like the 80s, it's very, very slim and not a huge help researching. So now, um, as you saw at the nomination, there's a lot of uh, research that goes into it, a lot of documentation so it's so yeah so whoever whenever something's listed people have gone through the trouble of surveying it taking photographs writing up architectural descriptions and really digging into that research about why this is important in its local or national context okay so kelsey when something is when what's what's briefly what's the process like you know rome contacted you or or you were contacted through the state you agree to prepare the nomination, but it's got to go through different approvals. What's that process like? So for the average person that has never done this type of work before, doesn't know where to start, typically they'll go to the State Historic Preservation Office or the SHPO, and they will, the staff there will then route that inquiry to Uh, a local or regional planner in the area. And that's how it was given to me to work on. And it 
can vary depending on where you are. So for the city of Memphis, what we did was you first um, have to do, for the state, you have to do an initial information form, which is basically outlining uh, why it's significant, the area of significance. And that way um, the SHPO staff can say, yes, this is significant, move forward, or we just don't feel like there's enough there. And once you clear that and get the okay to move forward, then you work on the National Register nomination. And there's a lot of back and forth between um, whoever's writing it and the staff at the SHPO. And whenever you get close to finishing and completing that, you also have to put it before here, the Memphis Landmarks Commission. And it's it's pretty similar to the state. It You present it to the commission, they discuss it, they vote to move forward, and then we are able to move forward at the state level. So then it goes before the state review board. Then it goes to the National Register, or to the National Park Service, then it's listed. That's a lot of boxes to check. You're a professional in the historic preservation arena. Are these applications something you know, that a lay person could prepare if they took the time to work their way through the form? They definitely can. I mean, it's it's always easier if you can get uh, feedback from someone who has done that before. You know, the average person uh, might struggle with, you know, maybe the architectural description that is necessary for it. And the average person doesn't isn't really sure where, you know, what are sandboard maps or where do you find them? And, you know, how do I figure out if my address is the same as it was a hundred years ago and just where this source the sources of this information is. But I mean it it happens all the time. Historical organizations and historic societies will work on it. And um as long as you are in conversation with uh the SHPO staff, they can usually help guide you in the right direction. So so it, it definitely does not have to be a professional preservationist that does it. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think if you look at various nominations, the, the different backgrounds and things can kind of make it more interesting. So the, you know, I think people think about, um, you know, historic homes as, you know, big old you know, mansions or, um, or, I mean, you think about, you know, the kind of homes we see in Memphis, the things that are sort of the, 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 the historic homes, big age, big age, um, and, um, like the Andesdale mansion and things like that. And, but in reality, uh, you mentioned, you know, the different reasons, um, that, homes can be, or any building can be historic for a variety of reasons. So Rome, what's the, um, I guess, what's the, I haven't seen the house, like, what's it like? And um, has it changed since, um, since your dad was using it as a, as his home and a studio? Well, Kelsey did a magnificent job in displaying uh, how the house looks. He came here a minute quite a few times and uh it took a little longer than i thought uh but the house basically since 1953 of course there were a couple of additions one addition to the den was added probably in the uh early 70s then another part came maybe in the late early late 70s and that was the two additions that came 
to the original house uh but it's been like this uh what do you call it a rent style house since since uh i guess the 1970s so did your dad have a dedicated studio space where he actually processed film or did he you know do it in all different places in the house well, most of it was done downtown. Now, there were some times when when he had to do some things here because there were sometimes jobs that took him, you know, an extraordinary time, you know, to, to, to develop film. Uh, she, of course, the bathroom was, was the place where that was done. So you actually went with him and and um, uh, on some of his, um, the thing, on, on some of his photo shoots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 1966. Uh, I can remember marching with Dr. King in 66. Uh, we went down to the, it was, in the history books, it's called the March Against Fear. Uh, I was there, uh, my brother Daryl and my brother Perry were there doing that march. This was right after Jane Merritt had got shot, and Martin Luther King came in to take his place. Uh, I do remember that, you know, as, as, Starting to be, be aware of something that it was doing, which was very important. And then, then of course, later on in 1968, and uh, there was, of course, the I'm a Man photo was taken in. I was there with him at that time, 12 years old, standing there with my camera, myself and my dad. It was, and then I had two other brothers who had their cameras who was on the other part of the march. So, I always, so the story of the legacy of the house is going to always include the Ernest Withers and Sons is the, the sons who were photographers as well. Yeah, that's incredibly important. And, you know, it's amazing that, of course, a lot of these places, um, you know, the, your dad went into, you know, were dangerous. And you and your brothers were all there with him. Your mother must have been sitting at home worrying about everybody. I know I would be. Yeah, I'm sure she was. I, I know she was calling. I can recall her, her talking to her on the phone, especially in 68, after the riot had broke out, we were all, I was right in the middle of it. Of course, we got separated for a minute, but I experienced the police, you know, the mace and the crowd and the smell of the mace and how it burned my eyes. And there was so much chaos, but we were able to come back down to the studio on Bill Street and develop the film actually that, that very day that the uh, I'm a Man picture was taken. We, we went back to the studio. And, of course, when we went back to the studio, the police were banned, you know, was just, you know, you could hear the crowd of people going past the studio. So we, Daddy would say, be quiet. And and so we, they would know we wouldn't, we wouldn't, they wouldn't have known we were there if we kept quiet. So we kept quiet. And we went back and stayed there in the, in the uh, in the studio to, to, to develop the film. And then, of course, we got calls from mom to check on, you know, where I was because I was the youngest. That's, yeah, that's quite a story. And that's just really, I mean, you know, Kelsey, when you think about the, you know, the National Register, I mean, one of the, one of the, in my mind, one of the things that's so important about it is, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a cliche, but, you know, there's so, there's stories, I mean, you know, historic places, they all have stories associated with them that are important parts of history, and preserving the buildings and documenting it just really helps us remember those, don't you think? 
Absolutely. And, you know, like you said a little while ago, that whenever you think of historic houses in the National Register, you're thinking of those big, you know, maybe Annabelle mansions and the large uh, houses with the fancy names attached to them. And, you know, I love looking at those just as much as the next person. But the Withers home, something like that, that's just it's the house. It's completely unassuming. You would drive past it. You never in a million years know the significance of it. And that is just my absolute favorite thing. You're, that that'll that's what will get me nerding out for way too long with you. I just I love that you know that there's all this history just hidden behind a pretty you know a common ranch style house here in Memphis. Yeah, it's true. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR ninety one point seven FM. And I'm talking to Rome Withers and Kelsey Lampkins, and we're talking about the recent addition of the Ernest Withers home on the National Register of Historic Places. So, Kelsey, another question for you, um, something you and I have talked about earlier, is um, there's really a dearth of African-American sites on the National Register, both nationally on the National Register, but also in locally. Um, I think uh, some, only a small percentage of Memphis listings are African-American sites. And what just what do you think some of the reasons are? I mean, is it just people don't have access to technical expertise or people just, you know, traditionally haven't thought of those sites as being as important? I mean, I hate to say it, but what are the, what are the reasons? Um, and then also, do you feel like there's any efforts to rectify that and get more sites like the Withers House added to the list? So, yes, uh, sites significant for African-American history are woefully underrepresented on the National Register. Less than 1%, I believe, um, are associated with African-American history. And there are a number of reasons for that. Um, Yes, access to technical assistance and, you know, the resources getting pointed in the right direction. Um, but a huge part of it up until very recently was exactly what you said, the idea that these sites are not important. They're not representative of important themes or people in American history. Uh, just completely overlooking the significance. That's something that has definitely played a part. But also... Uh, well, and I will say that there have been efforts in recent years to address that. And there's, you know, there is this push to do better documentation of these resources. But also the National Register itself, the criteria uh, or the aspects of integrity can also be a factor. Something that I found in my research, not just with this nomination, but with others, is that for properties that were significant for African-American history, they typically would change use over time to maintain use for the community, such as a historic African-American school may have started out as a school, then desegregation, the, ch the children were sent to the traditionally white schools, and then that building would maybe be abandoned for a while or immediately converted into a community center and things like that. That's something you see happen a lot. That is something that happened in uh, Ripley in Lauderdale County. And 
So over the course of using these buildings, they're added on the windows and things could be changed. Part of it could be demolished or uh, change the siding and whatnot, because the important thing was to use that space. However, it was needed, not preserving the historic, you know, six over six windows and things like that. The important thing was that the space was used. So that uh, definitely plays a role because when you're looking at a property uh, for listing, there are several uh, qualifications it has to meet. And that does make it difficult if you are, you know, holding fast and tight to these kind of standards as we've always done them. So that in itself makes it harder to document sites that are significant for African-American history itself. Well, I feel like we've done a, a good job locally. I mean, for the big, the big, you know, Claiborne Temple and um, Walk the Walker House, actually, we're talking about uh, J.E. Walker with the Walker House um, in South Memphis on Mississippi Boulevard is on the National Register. But there's probably a lot of um, there's probably a lot of other sites that need to be that need to be added um, in addition to the Withers House. So, so Rome, what are you? Um, I know you're doing a lot of things to try to lift up the make the house more visible and attract um, attract visitors and support. So, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we. We are kind of going through um, a phase now of, of course, continuing to attract uh, tourists here. Uh, we, we, are, we are right now at an important part of, of the house now because of Ernest Wither's birth year. If he was living, he would be 100 years old this year. And so we have planned uh, quite a few events in, in his honor. Uh, for the rest of the year. And his actual birthday is August the 7th. Uh, and of course, August 7th, he would be 100 years old. So we are planning to be at the family church, which is Gospel Temple Church on Manassas. Is we plan to worship there and his honor on that day. Uh, we got an event at Fuller Park, which is August the 21st. That will be a card signing of people in the community. We'll go to T.O. Fuller Park in conjunction with another activity, one of the invaders is going to have a birthday and they were friends of daddies, and so it's going to be a sign of the birthday card. But the most important and significant event of all is going to be at the October 15th. It just so happened October 15th is the day that he, he, he died. And uh, we have a scheduled date, and we want to invite the public to be part of this uh, worldwide event, October 15th at the guest house at Graceland. Uh, mansion uh, at a great at the guest house hotel. We were planning to have a banquet and an exhibit and to show some document documentaries of of Daddy and in the past. So it, uh, we we got quite a few events. Uh, we plan to have a you know a souvenir booklet, uh, uh, collector's items, uh, and a, and a lot of other activities are planned as we are planning now for that that year. And of course, and we were planning to do next year because next year. My mother would be 100 years old, so we're going to be continuing to bring things, uh, to bring the house to uh, a real uh, high on the rainbow. Yes. 
So do tourists um, do do tourists come by? People that are interested in civil rights history um, that come to Memphis, do they come by the house? Yes, yes. Uh, right now we're taking on the appointments. Um, we do have we had quite a few guests today that came in. A couple of uh, group from the in, uh, indigenous tribe, Indian tribes came here. We have some people from Houston that came and visited today by appointment. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, it's, it's a continuation of phone calls. We have a website that people can go to and keep up with what we're doing, uh, which is the Withers Home Foundation. Yeah, I'll put the um, and I'll put a link to that. You know, a lot of people listen to the show as a podcast and their show notes. And I'll put I'll put that link in there so people can uh, look look up and get more information. So it sounds like the um, in addition to, you know, the house itself, which you kind of described this, it sounds like there's also a lot of memorabilia in the house? I mean, are there like family photos? And if you come to the house, what is there, what kinds of things are there to see? Well, right now there, of course, uh, yeah, I'm family memorabilia, but I guess the first thing you see is the family on, on when you come in, you see the, the pictures of family members, you know, who have passed on with my mother and my father, uh, which is a sacred part of the house. And of course there are also Histories, photos of different events that has happened in the Civil Rights Museum. I mean, Civil Rights well, struggle and the Negro baseball and Memphis musicians. These are different images from B.B. King, you know, to Sergio Page at the Martin Stadium, which was here in Memphis, Tennessee. And of course, most of the people know that is imaged by by the uh, Civil Rights, but it's way more in detail than Civil Rights. We, we're putting together different projects right now of images that hadn't been seen in 30 or 40 years. So it's a it's a work right now. We're kind of at the, uh, still trying to lift up this, this big uh, uh, rocket. It, it, is a, it is a giant rocket, no question. So so it sounds like the house, I mean, is, is on some level in terms of furnishings and stuff is not that different than when your dad was alive. Is that right? Yes, basically, that much has changed. We still have, you know, my mother's clothes, my daddy's clothes, you know, my mama's car, and, and we're trying to preserve as much as we can, and which we are. My daughter, Nehemiah, who's here listening now, she, uh, she's organizing on the, every other day, you know, putting in emails and, of uh, people who come in to visit the house, and we write them and thank them for coming. And uh, then, of course, we archive it, uh, negatives that we have. You know, not only that, the images, you know, we have the, <laughs> the, you know, my brothers, you know, a lot of their artifacts, you know. I've lost six brothers. I'm the seventh son. So, like I said, I'm kind of, I have a lot of their personal images and that are part of this, this home as well. You know, as someone who's toured a lot of historic homes over the years, I mean, I think, and I don't, Kelsey, if you agree, but on some level, you know, the ones where not that much has changed are the best, really, because you can just sort of close your eyes and, you know, imagine the them in the house. And kind of like if you go, if you're really into music and you go to Sun Studios, 
which is very much like it was when, you know, I was recorded there. And it's not all fixed up and spiffy. It's just, it's the same, you know, tile on the ceiling. And it just has got so much atmosphere and homes that are homes, historic homes that are the same way um, with the original occupants that just makes it even more special, I think. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, when you're touring like the Annisdale mansion, a lot of us can't relate to having a big old mansion <laughs> with servants and stuff coming in and out. But yeah, walking through the Withers home, I can absolutely see, you know, his parents herding the <laughs> children out of the room. So uh, Mr. Withers can get somewhere. He, you can really, you can really see it and put yourself there. Cause you know, we've all, we've all been in, you know, our, our little single family homes that most of us live in, uh, running around with the family trying to get work done, especially, you know, during COVID. So I think that adds an extra layer that just makes it so uh, visceral yeah, to experience. R- relatable, no question. Yeah, yeah. There's two, two seats are still there where my mama sit in her room. It's still there. I hadn't moved. My dad's seat that's still in the den where he come home when the evening is still there. I hadn't, hadn't have not moved. So there's still a lot of uh, DNA still here. Do you let people sit there, or is that off limits? Do you have one of those little well, ropes, <laughs> like in museums? <laughs> you know, we do rope it off sometimes. Uh, most people don't no, normally don't choose to sit there because they, I guess it's kind of like they, they know not to sit there, so we, we make it available for them, other seats. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. So the so so um so Kelsey the um. I interviewed you once before, and it's the process is, um, you know, was underway, all those different steps you talked about. But it sounds like the Withers House is now officially on the National Register. Is that right? You both just got letters? Yes, it is officially listed now. So whenever you go to the NPS site, you should be able to look it up and find it. Are there any particular, I mean, obviously, being on that list is a, is a very significant, it's a distinction, but are there any extra benefits that you can, um, like, are, let me just say, could roam, are there grants, you know, historic house grants that you can pursue once you're listed, or I'm guessing those kind of resources are very scarce, but optimistically asking. Yes. So, um, and this is, you know, part of part of that initial talk that I always have whenever I start working on a nomination. Number one, listing on the National Register is purely honorary. It doesn't mean that you can't paint your house pink. You can rip it down. You can put a weird tower on it. You can do whatever you want. It is purely honorary. But having it listed also does make you... Um, eligible for certain resources, such as there are certain grants uh, for properties listed on the National Register, uh, historic tax credits for properties listed on the National Register. Uh, If you have an income-producing property, there are things specifically for uh, historic churches listed, resources for that, resources that are specifically for sites that are significant for African-American history because they aren't as well represented. So there definitely are resources out there. And, you know, aside from all that, which, you know, the money, that's the important thing. We want to talk about that. But it also is so important for whenever you're, any, if anyone's doing any sort of research on, 
you know, the local area or even the state, you know, it, it really helps you have a better understanding of what has happened around you. If, if there's another property uh, in the area that you want to list uh, on the National Register and you want to know, you know, what what is uh, the sig- significance for comparable properties, those are great starting points. So there are a, a ton of benefits for listing on it, some of them which do include grants and other resources. Okay, good to know. And there is a historical marker there now, right, from a local historical marker. Didn't one of you tell me that yeah, in front of the house? A, yeah, there's a state historical marker that has been here since 2018. I don't know, maybe Kessa can tell you if if there would be, I remember going to the Elvis Presley home when they, when it, when they were designated as a national historic uh, historic place that they had some kind of ceremony. I don't know if they put some kind of plaque there or not, or will we will we be receiving one? I don't know. You can request them. They are not provided to you, and you do have to pay for them. So, so whenever you see those on other houses or in neighborhoods, uh, they've pulled the resources to pay for that themselves. Okay. Okay. But, you know, if you wanted to do some kind of ceremony or something, you know, you could roll that into all of those events celebrating your um, your dad's 100th birthday. Like if, you know, the mayor is going to be down there anyway, maybe you should, you know, combine all those things and sort of, because I do think it's a big deal that people ought to know about that this is a national, you know, this is a national historic landmark and it's a big deal. Yes, and you know it can be properties can be designated as locally significant. This is nationally significant. This is listed for its national significance. So I think that just is another layer that should be celebrated. Absolutely. So the so Rome, I guess. Um, last question. So if people want to, um, you know, get involved, is the you know, either through attending some of these events you talked about or, or um, you know, writing you a giant check, which we would love to see. Um, is, the, is the website the best way that people can get in touch with yeah, you? Yeah, uh, you can always contact us directly, you know, uh, here at uh, our email at earnestlywithershistoricalhome at gmail.com. That's earnestlywithershistoricalhome at gmail. Of course, our website withershomefoundation.org uh, and of course the address is 480 Westbrook Road we, we accept the donation we are a 501c3 organization and uh, we'll continue to try to raise money and of course you can't keep things maintained in progress unless you get a continuation of support financial support we will be appealing to whatever areas that are available to provide uh, you know uh, places where we can curate curate index and, and archive uh, images that have not been seen in 25 30 40 years so it's uh we're going to be continuing to have fundraisers and and bring attention to uh, what has happened in Memphis and hopefully by doing this in walk homes community we we can be doing we can reduce crime at the same time by providing some type of uh, entertainment services all the time people uh, minds on positive things. Well, it sounds like the Walker Homes community um, is historic in its own right. 
um, and maybe someone should prepare a national register application for that. What do you think, Kelsey? Well, I'm happy to say that uh, uh, Memphis Heritage is working on nominating South Memphis neighborhoods to the National Register. I am not sure if that includes Walker Homes. It very well may. Um, that's something districts take a long time. Now, you know, as uh, Mr. Weather said, this this process took a while. The typical nomination can take, you know, one to two years from start to finish. Districts are, uh, they're, they're a lot of work because you have to photograph and inventory every single property in it. But yes, absolutely, those need, those are important and those need to be done. So hopefully, uh, you'll, hopefully in the next couple of years, you'll see a lot more properties significant for African-American history listed, not just in Memphis. That would be wonderful. But actually, uh, Kelsey, that that reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you. So you um, wrote this um you wrote this application when you were with Memphis Area Association of Governments, which has a historic preservationist on staff some of the time. And so this was, I want to say, you know, your job. And um, and if people, but if people want help preparing National Register applications, either they want someone to do it or they want just to sit down with someone and have someone talk them through the process um, and give them some advice. Who should they call? Is it Memphis Heritage? Is it MAG? Um, what do you think? So I don't believe MAG has uh, filled the preservationist position, um, but absolutely the first starting point, no matter where you are listening from, Go to the SHPO office, and they will put you in contact with the proper. And that's the person. state his, the state um, historic preservation office. Yes, the state historic preservation office. They will connect you with a planner that is in the region. Not all of the development districts have preservationists, or you know, maybe there's a turnover in staff. Um, but they are usually aware of private preservation preservationists that can work on that as well you know obviously if you're going private you're gonna have to pay for those services but you know whether you want them to work on it and write it themselves or just give you feedback i do both of those i you know i work on the nominations for people and then i'll um, provide feedback and guidance on others as well so always reach out to the shippo because they they know who to contact to help you see this through because they they want you they're they're not getting paid for each nomination they uh, they want to see listings and interesting, significant properties recorded. So they are absolutely going to help you okay. with that. Okay. Well, great. Well, you've, you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. And we've been talking about the Ernest C. Withers Historical Home Museum that was just added to the National Register of Historic Places. My guests have been Rome Withers, who heads up the museum and Ernest Withers' son, and then Kelsey Lambkin that actually prepared the application. So, Kelsey, Rome, thank you so much for coming on Memphis Metropolis. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, you so much for having Keep us. Keep up your higher ground work. Oh, I should have said that. I wrote an article about this for High Ground News recently, and there's some great um, family photos that the Withers family sent me that Kelsey also used in her application, like around the dining room table. So everyone needs to check that out. I'll put that in the in the the yeah. podcast show notes yeah, too. Because Higher Ground was here when we had the program in 2018. So you all have been consistent. We appreciate you. 
And uh, y'all hear it by high ground. You need to get the TV Wonder song out. <laughs> you wonder if I okay, that's good. All right. Thank you, Chuse. Thank you so much. Memphis Listening Lab proudly supports WYXR. They provide a curated collection of music and music history, a forum for music-related talks and performances, and a music education, appreciation, and experimentation space located in Crosstown Concourse. The lab is open Tuesday through Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can find out more information on their Instagram page at Memphis Listening Lab or on their website at memphislisteninglab.org. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.